Yo, what's up? It's your girl, DJ Narc. What's going on? <laughs> my, my, my. How the rats like to scurry. What is it about personal power that offends people so much? What is it about being contained within yourself and being emotionally self-sufficient that is so triggering to so many? I think it has something to do with the wounded being able to sense the parts of you that are healed, therefore bringing into glaring relief even more the parts of them that are wounded. If I don't need people to like me, if what I need most is to stand in my integrity and be, be good to myself, so I can keep my word, so I can be the best me that I can be, if that's my priority, and you have been raised under the threat of abandonment and dragged through the mud of neglect, as, as has everyone in some aspect, and you haven't done the work of getting up out of the mud and, and doing something with it, you don't have to wash it off if you don't want to. You can turn it into clay and make it into art. No problem. But if you've done nothing and you're just sitting in it, the person that walks by, having turned their mud into a work of art or having, or, or having perhaps turned their mud uh, into something that they sold and, and now they're driving past you, now they're whizzing past you, perhaps, perhaps they didn't even do that. Perhaps they just washed it off. Perhaps they just resolved it. Regardless of how they've dealt with it, when they zoom past you, it's going to sting. Of course. Why, well, they were as muddy as I was. What happened? Oh, well, there's got to be something about them that's really fucked up. Because otherwise, why wouldn't they agree to get down in the mud with me again? I'm telling you, you're whizzing past me and I'm telling you, I need your help to get out of the mud. But nobody can, nobody can get you out the mud. Why do you think that these podcasts are so enjoyable? I'm not trying to drag you out of nothing. That's not my fucking job. Nobody can do that for you. That's nobody's job. That's your job. Nobody can do that for you. No one who loves you would even attempt to try to do that for you. Because if they love you, they're not going to take the wheel from you. They're going to teach you how to fucking drive. I had to, like, it took me years to explain this to my Capricorn older brother. Like, doing something for me isn't what you think it is. I know you're being really protective and you're the best brother ever, but... 
if I don't ever get to do anything, because you're doing everything for me, I'm never going to learn anything. You know, I just want you to like a perfect example is like a video game. I just want you to get past this level. I know, but it's not me getting past the level. At this point, you've played all the levels. I just want you to beat the game, but you're beating the game. It's not me. I'm sitting here watching you do it. Like, but, but means totally well. And like, sincerely, it's just like, I want you to win the game, but it's like, no, I'm not winning anything. I'm not playing. You can't do things for people. You can only help people with your knowledge and your vibe and, 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 and keep them as much on the path that you see them on and just like leave them be. There's nothing else you can do. You can't jump on somebody else's path. You can't help someone who's falling down on their path. You can't help someone who's been dragged through the mud and refuses to get up or refuses to acknowledge it. And every person that walks by, they're just this pleading, sorry, watery-eyed mess that needs, you know, everyone's help. This very kind of um, histrionic, like overdoing of the sadness in the eyes. Like it's always this victimhood. Please help me. Please. You know, I can't handle my life. I can't handle my immediate connections with people. But, but somehow like people like this that are still in the mud, they never realize that they are the center of all the issues in their life. Like that they're the common denominator. That it never occurs to them as they're wasting your time regaling you with these sob stories. That it never occurs to them that every one of the stories they're telling you is a mirror of the last one they told you. And, but, but the people are different. But the situations are all exactly the same. They're terrible. They're cruel. They're mean. They're awful. They're, I saw this in them. I saw that in them. I, but it's never you. It's never you. No, of course not. Of course not. That's because, because of course not. You're in the mud. How could you do anything to anybody? You're a victim. How could you have done anything to anybody? You're not the villain. You're, you're, you're legitimately laying in the mud of neglect and you're crying out for help and you see all these terrible things and all these people walking by you and nobody will believe you. And they're all kind of kicking you as they walk by, aren't they? They're so cruel and they're so horrible to you. Everybody hates you, no? No, that's not. <laughs> First of all, the thing that always gets me about people like this is like, wow, you really think a lot of yourself. Like you really think that people would even go out of their way to kick someone who's laying down. Trust me, they wouldn't. In New York, people fall down all the time. We got a chance to kick them. We don't. <laughs> we could. We're the type, but we don't. We just like suck our teeth and roll our eyes and we move along. Like learn how to walk. We all turn into Edward Cullen. Can you at least learn how to walk? Like why are you tripping over nothing, bitch? Like, yeah, for real, fam. Like we don't, we don't kick you when you're down. We don't have time. To be perfectly honest, the self-importance of victimization is the most hilarious part. This is the reason why I have no compassion for it. Because I just start laughing. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You honestly think that people have that kind of time? That they're going out of their way to be mean to you? They're going out of their way to neglect you? They're going out of their way to kick you when you're down? They don't know you exist for all intents and purposes. You put yourself in situations over and over again that are going to reflect that neglect back to you and now you're out here looking for villains to pin that neglect on. No, that's you. 
Nobody is now neglecting you and that's why you're not washed off and you're not cleaned off and you're not getting up and, you know, owning your life. That's not that's not because somebody's still neglecting you and not giving you a shower because it's nobody's job to give you a fucking shower. It's your fucking job, bitch. It's your fucking job. And you're fucking laying there in the fucking dirt, crying and fucking screaming, holding your fucking hands out for anyone who's going to fucking walk by to take whatever the fuck you can get from them because you can't get up because you you're too hurt, right? No, you can't get up because all the wrong that's been done to you. Look at that person and this person and this person. And all of a sudden you look, you pointing fingers at everybody in your life. All of a sudden, everywhere you look are people who for some reason can't fucking stand you. And they're all monsters. I mean, it's just so obvious, right? That's, that's how you look. That's how you look when you don't take responsibility for the shit that's happened to you. No matter what is going on with this Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing, I know all the takes out here. Ooh, ah, there's some bitch who plays like 30 second clips on YouTube. She has like 4 million views of the 30, where she's like, look, she's lying here. Look, she's lying here. Okay, I get all that. These fucking generic takes. I want to talk about what's really fucking important here. This man has been lying in the mud. Lying in the mud since he was a kid and just keeps neglecting himself and neglecting himself and neglecting. That's the story. I don't know what y'all are looking for out of this. These are two toxic people who still kind of want to be with each other a little bit. Don't even fucking tell. Listen, you can't tell me nothing about this Gemini Taurus shit. I got Tauruses in my life for the past 20 fucking years. They will not. They. I, I don't know what it is. It's like. I see it in them, and that's why I'm saying it. Tauruses just understand possession. It's just, it's through and through. It's in their bones. It's in their eyes. It's in their, it's, it's just who they are. Everything is about being possessed. And if you love being a possession, oh my God, being with a Taurus is just like heaven on earth. You'll never want for anything. You'll never feel insecure. You'll never be, you know, Oh, you'll <laughs> you'll never worry. You don't have any anxiety. All the anxiety in your life starts to fall away because, especially if you have abandonment issues. Oh my God, yo! A Taurus will make you feel like you never had an issue. A Taurus will make you feel like that mud never existed and that your fucking childhood never existed. You understand what I'm saying? They are the type that if you have that severe CPTSD or you have severe abandonment issues, you find yourself a fucking Taurus. They will heal you because this motherfucker is more <laughs> clingy than you and you had you clingy because you have abandonment issues when your issues heal and you really like every day wake up and feel that like really grounded warm center in you that's just like <sighs> this person will never fucking leave like you know, that most people, if you want to be possessed, if you like being a possession, if you like being merchandise, you're really attracted to this kind of Scorpio, Taurus, access, possessive behavior. You, you, you get off on it, right? If you are something to be marketed, bought and sold, you love being possessed like this. You're like, oh my God, thank God. Like someone finally gets me, <laughs> Right? Someone finally gets that I'm a thing and I want to be taken and fucked like a thing and fed like a thing and kept like a thing. Like this is what they want. And if you need that, 
because you never got any kind of attention or any kind of care or nobody took you serious or maybe you were always histrionic so people were always fucking annoyed by you whatever it is they will kind of heal it drink something they'll kind of heal it because they're they're on the same time right these two she will never get over wanting to possess him. If that means that she needs to take his money, take his reputation, whatever she can take from him, she's going to take everything from him. That's why he got to the point where he said, you want my blood too? Of course. What, what, what else are we supposed to say? You want it? But this is how Gemini's get. This is what I was getting to. If the big thing, the big word there was if, if you like being possessed, if you see yourself as an object, then you fucking love this bullshit. But if you don't, if your corporeal body, if your if your connection to your actual corporal self is kind of like, nah. yeah, I mean, Gemini's love a good body. We're very attractive, Mashallah. We got good bodies. It's true, but like, we're not the type to like. I mean, Angelina Jolie used to have one of the baddest bodies in the world, and she was still never like out here like hoeing it up she really wasn't even when she was like hoeing it up she wasn't really hoeing it up this bitch was showing up with billy bob in a gray t-shirt and you couldn't take your eyes off the bitch like we don't need to do all of that i know that other signs like to do it and i don't give a fuck like it's it's all to each his own we don't give a shit we're not over here doing and being like we're better than you we're not like that we're not covered up to the fucking chin but looking down our noses at everybody being like oh my god she's not wearing those are others we just, we just, we're more androgynous. We're too androgynous to be on the nose so much with the female shit. You understand what I'm saying? To us, it looks like a fucking costume. Like I, it, like I put on earrings and I look in the mirror and I'm like, what is this clown behavior? Like, what is it? What are you trying to do right now? Like, you look like a fool. Like, I just, I'm sorry, but I just can't. Like, I just feel ridiculous. Like, what is this display? Do you know what I mean? Like the first thing I do if I'm wearing earrings, the first moment that I'm able to take them off, I I take them off and I throw them. Because <laughs> I just don't fucking want anything in my ears. But it's like that. We're just, we're not, we're too androgynous to be so on the nose. So we're not really that like va-va-voom in our bodies to begin with. We're very attractive, but most of our attraction, even though we have, um, you know, pretty, like we have beautiful faces, but we're so animated that you really don't know what we look like because we never fucking stop talking. So our beauty is much more who we are than what we look like. And a lot of times that's confusing for people because we're physically attractive. So you, you, you like us because we're physically attractive and then you get to know us and you're like, oh my God, they're actually so much more attractive than I thought because they're like actually a really cool person. They're really smart. They're really this, that, the other. And that starts really fucking with people because you quickly start to understand that you're getting like a pretty full, you know, a whole package. Like, even if he's laying in the dirt, even if he's completely fucked up from his childhood and he hasn't healed a fucking thing and he's being a victim with his friends, with the drugs, with his wife, with his ex-girlfriend, everything, 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 everything. Let me just say, as an aside, I love you French girls and I fuck with how you do things. I fuck with you heavy. But the fact that this bitch did not get him to marry her before she had those two kids is such a slip up. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know what was going on in her head, but she had him on the end of a fucking hook. And instead of fucking doing something with it, she let this motherfucker do this. Because if I'll tell you like this, if this motherfucker had been married, 
Trust and believe that he would not have left like that for this dumb hoe. Not that this is in any way Parody's fault. I'm just saying I don't understand on her side personally why she didn't put her foot down and be like, no, we're getting married or it's nothing. Because obviously this bitch was able to get him to do it like so he's capable. But I've noticed this with my French friends. Like there is something between French women and men that's very gentle. And to me, as a South Asian woman, it's very strange for us because, honest to God, we're not like this. We're we're very straightforward. (laughs) There's not a lot of, like, romance in that respect. Our romance is much more, like, in our music, in our clothing, in our functions that we go to and all the different social rules we have to break to get to be around each other. Our, our, Our romance is there. Our romance isn't in, like the sweetness of everyday life. We're not going and kneeling down in front of our husband, you know, and and playfully touching his knee and being like, should I make you some coffee or something? I mean, it makes me laugh because it's so sweet and it's so cute. But like, yeah, we would never. We're like, chai, you want chai? <laughs> it's five. Are we having chai? Are you going to make it? Why don't you, why don't you for once in your life... <laughs> Get up. Do you even know where the pati is? <laughs> the pati is the tea, the tea bags. But you see what I'm saying? Like, it's just it, so, so when I, when I view that gentility in French women towards men and the way there's this almost kind of like submissive deference to them, it's very attractive. I have to say, it's very attractive. And men obviously really like it. So it's very effective, very smart, very smart. But sometimes I think it falls short a little bit. Sometimes I think as a tactic, it it has its weak points, as of course does the blunt approach as well. Um, and one of those being that if you come across a guy like this, who seems very opinionated and very kind of romantic and very much a wild spirit, you'll kind of let him be and be like, yeah, okay, well, he's different because he's such and such and such. And so I'm not going to do what I know I should do. That that romance that you kind of attribute to certain men, uh, I don't know. It's a tricky one. I don't know about that. And, and, and I have no idea why she didn't get him to marry her. That was a big mistake. Drink something, drink something. But I'm always going to say that. And I'm a commitment phobe and I'm saying it. Um, so even with all that going on, even with him laying in the mud and not taking accountability for anything, not doing any of the fucking work at all in his whole fucking life, still a pretty good catch. <laughs> still a pretty fucking good catch. And she knew it. And they did what they did, and honest to God, there is still something very obviously between them. So whatever, however that's playing out, however they're looking at each other, however they're dressing, whatever notes they're making, whatever sly comments they're making to each other that only the other one really knows, like they're doing all of this right in front of us, you know that, because their story is not over. I'm going to tell you like my friend told me. Things are not over between people until they are over between people. There's just no way around it. And these two, obviously, nothing's over. Nothing's over between these two. Yes, I see all the like 
anger and the this and the sadness and the and the and the play acting on that side. I see all of it. And I'm sure you guys are like, no, 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 no. It's definitely over. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Because you're not understanding the fucking nature of this Gemini Taurus shit. Taurus understands value. Okay, they're not like the rest of us fucking chumps out here that'll overpay for this and leave the fucking jewel at, at the flea market that we, they, they understand value. Okay, I'm a Vedic Taurus. When I was a kid, my mom used to play this game with me where she would walk into a shop and be like, she's going to go up to the most expensive thing in the store. Watch. Could be a small, obscure thing in a glass case. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to roam around the store and I'm going to find the thing I like best. And as soon as I go and touch it, the shopkeeper is going to be like, that is literally the most expensive thing in this store. How could you possibly have known that? Yeah, because we just know. We just know. We just know. Okay. And what is a Gemini? Gemini is a diamond in the rough. That's it. It's Marilyn Monroe before her nose job. It's Angelina Jolie before her nose job. It's Tom Holland when he was a ballet dancer. It's JFK before he was president. It's, it's we're, we're just stars waiting to shine. And either we learn to polish ourselves, we learn to use life as a polisher, we rub up against it ever so carefully in certain facets and gleam ourselves up, or we come across somebody kind enough to do it for us or with us. Or we come across somebody who holds us down and shaves us down to nothing. This is also possible. But the cool thing about us is that because we are a concept, we regrow. Right? We're like that worm who has five brains. We're a concept. We regrow. We just make ourselves up again. So... Even when someone has done the work like a Taurus would do once they possess you. Ah, now I have this gem that nobody else knows is a gem quite like I know it's a gem. And now I'm going to polish it exactly the way I want it to be. So the facets of it that I like will shine because those are the most valuable to me. Right? This inherent selfishness that Tauruses have. They don't even know how selfish they are. And here's this Gemini allowing himself, right, to be shaved down this way and this way. But he doesn't even fucking notice because he's already in the fucking mud. Okay, he's already in the fucking mud. This is what I find interesting. This bitch never thought to fucking pick him up out of all that, wash him off, get him to like a sane place in his life before she started fucking her agenda with him. Her, but she, like, it's so short-sighted. Like if you're going to be a parasite, if you're going to be a fucking villain, if you're going to scheme on somebody and be a scammer, at least try to make them a little better before you take everything from them. What is this like trying to fucking already someone who's already obviously all the way down here complete lack of accountability years of compounded depression addiction you know total unresolved trauma from childhood you just got down in the mud with him and are just sitting there you know polishing the facets in the mud you can't even see what you're doing what is this this is this is the most trash tourist behavior like, you could have picked him up out of all that. You could have, when you fell in love with him, quote unquote, whatever the fuck the agenda was, been like, yo, you like me? You like me so much that, you know, after like how, like a year you want to marry me? After this many months you want to marry me? Cool, I'm cool with that. But you're going to go to therapy every day because you can fucking afford it. 
and you're going to stop doing drugs now, today. And if you're not, then I'm not going to fucking marry you. Even if your agenda is that you want this motherfucker because you want his money or you want don't you want to have some semblance of control over what's going on? You need him straight before you can, you know, enact whatever cruelty you want. Don't you need him sane? This is what fucked up people never realize is that a sane person would probably give you the thing that you want to manipulate them into giving you. Like, it's so fucked up. If your brain just worked for good instead of evil, this could have actually been all good. You could have been really nice to him. You could have picked him up out of that place in his life. You could have made him better. And then a few years from now, after that, been like, you know what? I'm really young. I feel like there's a huge age difference between us. I feel like you're getting a lot better in your life. And you, you know, to me, you seem really strong right but like this life isn't for me it's old men playing guitars and i'm really unhappy and i'm really unfulfilled so i'm gonna go since we don't have a prenup i'm gonna take half and i'll see you later and let's you know and and don't and don't try to fuck with me you know don't don't mess with me because i haven't done anything to you if if anything i've spent the last six years of my life seven whatever the fuck making you better you're not an addict you you know you're going to therapy every day ah, 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 and now i'm out and now if you want to fight me, then there's really no, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to fight you about. I just don't want to do this anymore. We don't, we don't, our age difference is too much for me. Whatever, whatever. There were a million ways to do this. There are a million ways to get what you want. What is the need to take someone who is already completely fucked up and fuck with them more. It's the same way when people notice that maybe you're having some downtime or maybe you're like just, you know, taking a little time for yourself. It's like the need that people have to then go into hyper overdrive and be needy with you. It's like the second they realize that you need to relax or you need a second, really fucking narcissistic, selfish people will jump on that opportunity just to kind of bury you a little bit, put your nose in it because they can sense that you're physically weak in that moment or that you're mentally weak in that moment. And so it's like perfect time. That's the real juice. That's what they really live off of. A narcissistic person is always looking and waiting. They see things where there is nothing. That's why they have so many problems with all their interpersonal relationships because they see things that aren't there. They see things that reinforce their fucking agenda that they already have going on in their head. Do you see what I'm saying? It's all, they're always, yeah, of course, their suspicions are always being proven right. <laughs> I love it though. I love it because it's so, it's so intensely destructive for them. Like that's the thing that they never get. They're so fucked up to other people, but the person they're always hurting, the person that always ends up isolated with nothing and nobody is them. It's always them. If they could actually empathize with people instead of always just sitting around looking for a weakness or a fault or something to gossip about or something to be cruel about or something to be mean about or something to be selfish about. If they actually had some genuine understanding or empathy for some people or perhaps even some loyalty, then they could see that there are ways to get what you want. There are ways to express your jealousy, your anger, your envy, your hurt, your sense of inadequacy without dragging everybody else down with you. You'll often notice that narcissistic people, they exhaust everybody around them. 
People get tired of them. People get tired of hearing about the same shit over and over again. Oh, let me guess. You got another problem with a bitch that you think doesn't like you because you're prettier than her. How many times you ever been around a bitch like this where you just want to say, you're not as pretty as you think you are. Nobody hates you because you're pretty. I just, oh my God, nobody hates you because you're pretty. Nobody hates you because you're pretty. I swear to you, I promise you. I promise you. I promise you, there are actual women who people hate because they're pretty. Kim, Kim Kardashian, everybody hates her because she's pretty, right? That's part of the reason. You, have you ever heard this bitch say that? Have you ever heard Kim K be like, people hate me because I'm pretty? She's like in the gym every day. Like, bitch, I'm working for this. They think I'm pretty and I got to keep going because I can't let them down. Like, like, do you understand? Even people who are like icons for being that girl that people look at like, fuck her. And inside you just know it's because they fucking hate that she's pretty. Even girls who are looked at objects of affection like that, objects of resentment, are not out here. Like, she's misstepping and saying things like, people need to go back to work. But even she isn't fucking narcissistic enough to be out here being like, girls just hate me because I'm pretty. That's, like, just think about that. Someone who could legitimately say that tomorrow and pretty much everyone in the world would be like, you know what? You might be right. (laughs) It's not a stretch. Even she's not saying it, but you, (laughs) but you, oh yeah, you're right, bitch. These bitches all hate you. They, they, listen, they hate your drugstore eyelashes. They hate you. They hate everything about you, bitch. They hate you. This is this. And it's not even, it's not even a knock to drugstore eyelashes because I wear them sometimes and it's fine if you know what scissors are. You know what I mean? (laughs) Baby, application is everything. Okay. Let's continue. Let's continue. So. Here's poor Amber Heard trying to polish a a diamond in the shit and getting splattered with a bunch of it. And then because she's insane... Uh, well, well, not insane. I guess she, she has a very like distinguishable thing. Um, even that seems kind of sus to me now and I'm definitely not taking her side, but why the fuck is his legal team a year before she's even diagnosed saying exactly the things that then the doctor goes on to say is her diagnosis that is so fucking sus. And the fact that they did that and they hired her and had a whole dinner party and drinks and everything at his house And then they wrote that. And then a year later, she finally fucking meets her and gives the same exact diagnosis is so sus. It's so fucked up. It's such a weaponizing of the fucking psychiatry and the the mental health industry. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fucked up fucked up regardless of everything else that is happening. How is that okay? This not okay. It's not okay. There's no world where that one fact will be okay. It's not. I don't give a fuck if that psychologist was compelling. She's obviously fucking media trained. She was legitimately up there giving the fucking performance of her fucking life. And y'all all fell for it until this fucking bitch's lawyer is like, wait a minute. Did you guys not catch this? Because it's, it's pivotal. 
She's like, wait a minute. How are you saying that these are all the things she has when the fucking attorney was saying it last year before you ever talked to the bitch? And yeah, she did her damage control and she scuttled around it as much as she could. But the glaring fucking obvious truth is that they wrote something up and then she got up there a year later, talked to this bitch with a head full of information already. Okay, because I've been going on the fucking TikTok, the 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 BPD TikToks and the fucking uh-uh, there is a huge area of misdiagnosis amongst attractive women when it comes to BPD and histrionic. Huge. There are cases all over TikTok of women walking into psychiatrists, psychologists' offices, and 20 minutes later, they're like, oh, this is what you have. Okay, so you're telling me this thing that is grossly misdiagnosed all the time and disproportionately towards women and disproportionately towards very attractive women okay i love the way she tried to get around that she was like well actually it's they use their looks no no it's not that they use their looks it's disproportionately attractive women this is one of the ways that the mental health industry is so fucking weaponized against women it's it like you can look into it you you do your own research go on tiktok find it you'll, you'll see a slew i'm talking thousands and thousands of videos of girls talking about how the fucking mental health industry has alienated them, has misdiagnosed them, has mismedicated, just done horrific, horrific things to their bodies, horrific things to their mind, shock therapy, all kinds of shit. And the root of it is this insane patriarchal medical system. Like, oh, and, and, and how does she encapsulate all that? Oh, yeah, these people usually tend to use their looks. Bitch! <laughs> Bitch, I know, I know in the fucking era of TikTok where every motherfucker on the planet is getting self-fucking educated because that's what TikTok is. That, TikTok's literally right now like the library of Alexandria for the internet. I know in this day and age where people are not fucking out here fucking self-educating that you are out here saying some fucking bullshit like that. And then when you get caught... Five minutes later, when they say, wait a minute, how did they write this up in this much detail? And then a year later, you meet her and and, and I'm meeting her. You're like, yeah, this was, at, at first when she was going through, oh, I use this test. This test is like this. This test is like this. The Minnesota, whatever, whatever, whatever the fuck. I was like, damn, she's going into whenever people start talking too much about something and start explaining too much sauce. Sauce. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer the question. Shut the fuck up. What is all this? Sus. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, she was explaining. Yeah, I was interested. Ah, ah, ah. I'm not looking at it from this, that point of view. You want that point of view? You like looking at things from that? I'm not looking at things like through. I, I look at things through a very Sun Tzu lens. Like, I'm sorry. I'm a Rajput. I'm from a warrior family. It's like, it's all strategy. Like, no. <laughs> no, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. All of that, the, 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 going on and on and on, the scales and the this and the that, and oh, there's ways to detect this. And Why are you qualifying all the shit? If you're so trusted, if you're so learned, if you're, why, why you feel the need to go on and on like this? I'm not even concerned with what you're saying now. Now I'm just noting that you're meandering. And I, and then as soon as she asked the question later, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, that's why she was doing it because she knew because she knew that shit was going to come up and she knew that she didn't have a fucking answer for it. So she wanted to go ahead and preempt the question by being like, oh, the, the test I used is like 
like this, like this, like this, like this. Meaning the test I use has nothing to do with my prior opinion of the person and it has nothing to do with whatever that person may be trying to portray or not portray. That's why she, you see, sus. That's why she was going into so much detail over here because she knew that when she had to answer the question over here, she didn't have a fucking answer. She doesn't have a fucking answer. Because that's fucked up. That's the only answer. That's fucked up. Regardless of what's going on with her. It's not, I'm not even there yet. I haven't even gotten there yet. The point is still, no matter how much you guys want to miss the fucking point. The point is still that these two fucked up people. This fucking 58 year old man who ain't never taken one moment of fucking accountability for his life. Has no problem mouthing off about his fucking ex-baby mamas. About his kids. About his current wife about his mother about for god's sake this man is a fucking delusional addicted mess you can't listen i love him again i have a poster of him on my wall my favorite movie is literally just two and a half hours of black and white footage of his face okay i get it But the fucking reality of what this man is, how are y'all leading this witch hunt? If anything, both these motherfuckers were totally abusive to each other. She was gaslighting him, fucking feeding into every wound he had. And this motherfucker, his responsibility, I hate this like victim, this like compassion for the victim bullshit thing we do when it's two grown people. I, I hate when we decide that we're going to treat one person like a child. It robs people of their dignity. It is not seemly. It's embarrassing, to be honest. Like the outpouring of this kind of like weird maternal like, oh, Johnny, it's kind of disgusting to me. Like you're talking about a grown man. Why are you acting like this? Why do we need to be like this with a grown man? Get the fuck. Can you please get on your fucking feet and handle your life? What? 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 Everybody goes through shit. Everybody goes through shit. Why why are we all collectively leaning down into the mud and holding Johnny Depp's hand and being like, oh my God, Johnny. Johnny, so sorry, Johnny. What? Why isn't it like, bro, get your life together? Okay, you married a 20-something because you're a dickhead. You left your fucking baby mama because you're a dickhead. Okay? You married a 20-something. What the fuck? fuck did you think was gonna happen what did you expect what did you expect you expect this bitch to not want to be an actor you expect you expect this bitch to be married to johnny depp and not become a famous actress and not hustle for every fucking role off your back what the fuck did you think was gonna happen you thought she married you for your fucking looks <clears throat> i mean the drugs took care of that years ago you thought she married you for your fucking talent you're not talented you're a mimic there's a difference There's a difference. Talent is someone who works on themselves. Talent is someone who watches their films over and over again, trying to pick apart exactly what they did right and what they did wrong. Talent is is based on craft. You got to work at it. Being a mimic, that's... Any Gemini can do that. I mean, if you wanted me to. I mean, any Gemini can do it with any other Gemini, but any Gemini can do it with anybody. We can do that. That's not acting. (laughs) That's not acting. That's why I love Dead Man. 
Because Jarmusch, he knows that about people. He, he can turn non-actors into actors. He knows how to get that out of people. So even people who are complete shit at acting, like him, like Johnny Depp, okay? Yeah, yeah, I said it. <laughs> yeah. Or someone like, you know, Jack White from the White Stripes that he used in Coffee and Cigarettes. Jarmusch is able to get out of you what he needs. He's able to turn you into an actor regardless of whether you naturally are a musician or a mimic or whatever you may be. Now, a mimic is being a very good mimic is a very impressive thing, especially if you happen to be probably the most beautiful person in the world. It's, It's nice. I'm not faulting him. But there's a big difference between that and talent. There's a huge difference, right? The reason I like Dead Man is because he's forced. There's no studio. They're outside the whole time. He doesn't have the benefit of wardrobe and he doesn't really have the benefit of his beauty and his face. There's no exaggerated costume and there's no exaggerated makeup. There's no prosthetics. There's no strangeness of character or weirdness that he can lean on, that he can mimic, that he can pick up from someone around him that he knows that he can integrate into the character. There's none of that. Dead man is one suit, one journey, one pair of glasses, one hat, one rifle, one gun, one horse, and two boats. Well, one, two canoes. It's, it's, and, 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 a, and a traveler, one traveler with you, nobody. You're, you're alone, right? That's what pe- most people don't get about dead man. I'm sorry we're talking about dead man again, but nobody's not there. Nobody doesn't exist. Nobody is the spirit. Nobody is the spirit of the people of that land. That movie isn't about him. The most beautiful man in the world is in a movie and the movie's not about him. The movie is about the white man moving through the soul of a nation that has been annihilated. It's a journey through genocide. He's a dead man. And he's been killed by the white man, by the industrialist son. He's, he's the dead man. He's the spirit. He's experiencing that journey of genocide that happened to the indigenous. Nobody is his guide through this death experience in this new land that he doesn't know and he doesn't understand. That's why all the stories that nobody tells him, remember? Shouldn't you be with your own tribe or something? The reason nobody doesn't have a tribe is because the tribes are gone. That way of living, the culture, the, the being tied to the land, it's, it's gone, obliterated, washed away. 
And if you're wondering why it's so triggering for me, it's because it's with the beauty with which it's done. Art is so important. (laughs) I can tell you what has happened. I can tell you how many hundreds and millions of people have died. But I can't make you feel it. That journey that dead man takes you on, it's the journey of, of, of awareness. That journey of waking up to where you live, the, the land and the, the blood that's soaked into it. And it's triggering, especially for me, because that's happening right now. Just like that in other parts of the world. And just like that, there are dead men everywhere. But see, Jarmusch knew what he was doing. He picked someone who has a native grandfather. He chose someone who couldn't act. He chose someone that if there is one defining characteristic about him, it's that he kind of wants to die. And I don't blame him. His childhood sounds like hell. And as he was talking about his mom, I couldn't help but remember that Oprah interview that just never, I could never get it out of my mind where he's so young, so handsome, so beautiful. And he's sitting there talking about how his mom used to make the move all the time. And Oprah was quite troubled. You know, like, what do you mean move all the time? That's What are you saying? And I just remember the... I remember watching it and just feeling the dissonance. I could see how softly he was smiling and how calmly he was recounting it and how kind of lovingly he was telling the story, but what he was saying was so alarming and so disturbing, and I couldn't help but think what was going through his mind at seven years old or eight years old or ten years old when she was making them move from one house to the one next door and the one next door and the neighbors are looking and now we're moving two weeks later and now we're... But he was saying it so calmly and with such a love and so this, this, this like heartbreaking smile that I, it just creeped me out. Like, why are you saying it like that? Obviously, that sounds fucking horrible. And I kind of saw that in Oprah too. Oprah was also kind of like, uh, okay, that was normal. Are you, were you okay with that? Like, she she was trying to kind of hold it back, you know. But yeah, it was it was alarming. <laughs> it was alarming. But he was just kind of he just kind of made it seem normal, you know. And now to know what was really going on, well, it makes perfect sense that that's how he made it look because that's how all people who have been abused, especially at such a young age, seem. They seem kind of indestructible. You know, that's what they've had to create as a persona to to, to just survive, to just barely make it, you know? But Dead Man is about somebody who has no choice. His 
fate is sealed. The bullet is in his heart. He's never, he's not going to get better. (laughs) He's just slowly walking to his death and hopefully he can do a few good things along the way. Avenge some spirits. Avenge the spirit of the nation by killing the evil white man. Now your poetry will be written in blood. And then he did write in his blood, didn't he? No, the only reason... (laughs) Dead Man is the only film that he's ever actually acted in is because it's the only thing that he can really truly relate to. That's the thing about acting. Actors are always lying and telling you that, oh, this role, it was nothing like me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what's his name loves to do that. What's his name? Oh, see, now I can't even remember his name. Yeah, what's the old Batman's name? What's his name? I used to, I used to like him. I forget his name. Anyway, the Batman before this one, American Psycho. I can't. Christian Bale. <laughs> I really did not remember his name. Um, he's always like, "Oh yeah, this person's nothing like me. This character's nothing like me. That's why I chose him, or whatever." And like every character he chooses is like obviously a lot like. Him. Actors are so silly. Um, but yeah, the, it's like just like a lie they tell because all the characters they play, the, the reason they can play them well is because there's something very fucking relatable. It's something very fucking relatable to them. And if they're a well-rounded, well-educated, you know, person that's normal and adjusted and has friends and family, they're drawing on all of it. They're drawing on all of it and they're drawing on their weird uncle who drinks too much or their, you know, their aunt who's fucking bipolar, like whatever. Like they, 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 they pull from around them and it's relatable and they relate to things and then they fucking emote that and they act and it's fucking perfect. But someone who is just hell bent on dying, laying in the mud, neglected, abused, treated cruelly, never did anything about any of those things, doesn't have a grounded life with connections and things that he can pull from or a craft or a processor. They don't have any of that. All they got is, I want to fucking die, okay? How many different things can I take or drink or snort or do before this fucking ends? And Jarmusch saw that and said, okay, here we go. And it is his finest hour because when something was finally relatable to him, you see, that's how he feels about his life. My, my fate is already sealed. Everything is fucked. There's nothing I can do about it. That's how he feels inside, okay? So as soon as he was given the room to play that, just look how he blooms. Oh, he's perfect. There isn't a moment of overacting. There isn't a moment of mimicry because who are you going to (laughs) mimic? The story's about you. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. 
Just a long, slow journey to the end. Just like you think. Just like you want. Just like you wish. Right? No, their story's not over. Not by a long shot. She is terrified and desperate and probably pretty ill. And he is terrified and desperate and probably pretty ill. And somehow, in some way, there is something between them. And I think that's why There is this continuous back and forth, regardless of who starts what or what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I get all that. I'm looking at something larger. It's this energy between them that refuses to dissipate. And I know this idea of trauma bonding is very popular right now. Oh, I love when victims use the trauma bonding thing. It was trauma bonding. Because at first I was super needy and I got everything I wanted. And then after a while I was still super needy, but I didn't get what I wanted. (gasps) I was love bombed and then ignored. No, maybe you just need to learn how to clean up your own fucking messes. Maybe you need to stop relying on other people so much and take responsibility for your fucking life. It could also be that. It could also be like you take like a hard clean look in a uh, hard look in a clean mirror and be like, "Oh, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm the asshole." Right. That's why that's why everybody around me can't stand me cuz I'm the asshole. It could also be that. It could, you know, to each his own. But since we're talking about trauma bonding, I don't I don't think it's trauma bonding. I honestly don't. I honestly don't think that's what's happening there. I think there's something very reminiscent about Johnny's mom <laughs> in her. I think she's possibly more like his mother than anyone he's ever met, which is why he wanted to marry her. You know, ultimately, it's like the final boss in the video game. Ultimately, some way or another, if you had a fucked up mom, you got to face it. And you probably see her face in everyone else if you don't face it, if you don't face her. Well, he couldn't face her because at the end of the day, you know, regardless of what he's saying in text messages to his friends on the up on the surface, he's still a gentleman. So he couldn't, you know, have that catharsis with his mother. So he decided to find a 20 year old something year old, very dangerous version of his mother, which his mother would have also been dangerous at that age and marry her. I get it. But there is something about that particular bond and that particular choice, especially if you insist on remaining unhealed, that does not dissipate. I think they're both really angry with each other. I think they're both pissed that it's gone, it got as far as it did. I think they don't trust each other at all. And yet I think there's still some fucking need in both of them to be validated or seen by the other. And that is very interesting to me because I see clips of it in both of them all the time, all the time. Like, I don't think they even realize it themselves, but this story is so far from over. 
But ultimately, if you're like a lot of people are saying, please say something about this. What's your opinion? My opinion is that they're both really irresponsible about their mental health. My my opinion is that therapy needs to be destigmatized in a big way. My opinion is that we need to stop fucking absolving and hiding fucking Hollywood's insane drug use if this is what the fuck they're going to be doing, like, and then make it like our business and on, in the in the public forum. Like, if, if we're going to have these conversations, like, let's have some real conversations, you know? <laughs> or not. Or not. But to treat this as just, you know, poor Johnny. <laughs> No, I can't, I can't absolve a grown man of all of this. No matter what your reasoning is, no matter how afraid you were, no matter how much you were afraid that she was going to kill herself, whatever the fuck, no matter what, there's just no way to take all the responsibility of all of this and put it on one person. It's extremely misogynistic. It's untrue. It's unfair and it is illuminating because we, we just are, even women, we are just so quick to villainize other women before we will take any sort of accountability either for ourselves or for the men in our life. Like I know bitches right now who are mad at me, but they're legitimately not mad at me. They're mad at some dude who fucking dumped them, like fuck them and dumped them, literally. There, but 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 I'm the villain. Like it's it's shit like this. It's like it, we are so quick, especially as women, to pent up out of weakness, out of social weakness. We can, because we can't be aggressive like men. Well, not most of us. We 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 have all this pent up aggression and anger, right? Especially those of us who are victims, and then. Something happens, you know, someone mistreats you, somebody dumps you, somebody lies to you, somebody cheats you, somebody treats you like shit. You're like holding it all in, holding it all in, holding it. And then you see a woman out here doing something that may be construed as villainous against someone, another person, another woman, another man, it doesn't matter. And all this rage you have inside of not being able to express yourself and not being able to be aggressive and violent the way men can be in society. It all comes pouring out of you onto this person. She's a very easy target. She's very unlikable. She's very attractive. She's obviously unapologetic. She's very manipulative. She talks in circles on the, on the tapes. It, she's obviously very fucked up to him. She's super unlikable. I get it. I get why it's easy to pour all your anger into her but it's just not fair. Uh, Trust me, I want to do it too, but it's just not fair. There are glaring holes in this fucking narrative. This fucking dude was talking, he was fat shaming her. Do you know that would have happened one time? I don't give a fuck if your name is fucking Johnny Depp or Yeshua. One time, one time say some bullshit about my fucking body and see how the fuck quick I get you the fuck out of here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like this motherfucker, the Don Juan DeMarco of our generation is a fat shamer. Like you can't overlook shit like that just because you hate her guts. Nah, I'm not down with it. You know, I don't fuck with this. I don't work like this. I don't like bandwagons. And I, I, because bandwagons, honestly, to me, bandwagons are dangerous. 
To me, all a bandwagon looks like is like a fucking target, a drone target. Why y'all all want to get on the same fucking bed where everybody can see all of you together and everybody knows your name and everybody... What are you doing? I hate fucking bandwagons. And people in bandwagons are never right. Never. Never. Because broad generalizations, mad, unfair. No, I'm not down with it. They fucked up each other and now they're wasting all of our time by publicizing it. But, you know, it makes for good TV and... Finally, Johnny Depp gets what he wants. He gets to be demystified and his face doesn't mean anything anymore and his fucking Johnny Deppness doesn't mean anything anymore. And that's always what he wanted was to just self-destruct and, you know, she went ahead and gave him the match. And he did it. And here we all are and we can all be free now. Everybody knows that bitch is crazy, right? Everybody knows this motherfucker is a piece of shit and like, woohoo. And Disney is, you know, the devil. <laughs> it's your girl, DJ Dark.